we're going to one more time look at the issue here of these Gospels. And uh, I want to just this morning, you know, it's that Sunday in between everything. Everybody kind of gets lost in the shuffle and so forth. So I just want to kind of do go over one more time here as uh, the issue we did, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of the grace of God. Then there's the gospel of the circumcision, the gospel of the uncircumcision, and the gospel of the kingdom. And as we've been introducing the book of Romans and getting started, uh, we've gotten eight lessons in the first verse. So, you know, the first two verses. So, anyway, um, Romans chapter number one, okay? And uh, we're going to start reading here. Let's just get reading and we'll get the content and we'll get going. Romans 1 verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And again, as we begin to kind of introduce and go down through Romans, we're going to begin to see uh, these, the aspects of these Gospels uh, as Paul is going to use them he, as, as we go through. And this morning, we're not going to get all the detail because <laughs> we've we got to go. We've, we've looked at the Gospel of God. So we've got five Gospels to look at quickly this morning because as we get to them in the book of Romans, then we'll get down into the, the nitty-gritty of the verse and the details. Um, Paul will make reference to them, and, and he won't always give a lot of extra detail or new detail, but he will talk about them. Case in point, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Paul, we'll see this here in a, in a little bit when we get over there to it, in Romans 11, Paul's going to make reference to an aspect of the gospel of the kingdom. He is not going to give any new detail. He's not going to say it belongs to you and I. He's just going to give some information on it. He's just going to mention it and then move on. Okay. So as we come through this and as we come through the book, I think it's important that we understand that he's going to make reference to these and then we'll get the details as we get to them as we study through the the first one is the gospel of christ if you look at verse number nine chapter one verse nine for god is my witness whom i serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing i make mention of you always in my prayer the gospel of his son look down at verse 16 116 for i am not ashamed of the gospel of christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, when we get down in verse 16, we'll look at that issue about to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everybody has a cow about it, and they get all upset. Why is he doing that? And there's reasons, and we'll look at that detail. But what I want you to see here is the gospel of Christ. 
Now, in the book of Romans, the first four chapters, Paul is going to lay out the details of the gospel of Christ. He's going to come along, and he's going to give that good news. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He's going to give that good news concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and in a very specific aspect of it, and he calls it the gospel of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. Start there. So when we begin to think about the gospel of Christ, four whole chapters, even bleeds over into chapter 5 a little bit, is going to be concerning this, the, the details of the gospel of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, look at verse 17. Watch Paul uh, kind of sum it up here for us. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the what? The gospel. The gospel of Christ, with, uh, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Notice that, that the good news, the gospel, it's going to concern the what? The cross of Christ. So the gospel of Christ is going to concern, it's going to come along and talk about the cross work of Christ. And the, you know, the heartbeat of all that we do is the cross of Christ. Everything. So he's going to come in and he, there's going to be a presentation of the crucifixion of Christ. He's going to come in and he's going to look at it in a very different manner than Peter does in Acts. The gospel messages and all the, the time past stuff. He's going to come in and he's going to, here's what it means to you and I. Now look at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the what? Power of God. Well, what does Romans 1.16 say? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So there's the link. So the gospel of Christ is going to equal, if you will, the preaching of the cross. That's what it's going to equal. So the gospel of Christ has to do with the cross work of Calvary. All of its accomplishments, all of its achievements, all that he secured for you and I, everything is going to be summed up right there. By the way, come back over to Romans. Look at Romans 6 with me. Because in Romans 6, after you've had all the details given to you about the gospel of Christ, and that it's your faith and faith alone in that that's the issue, then he says in Romans 6 that we find out that, guess what? He didn't die alone. Now, he, historically, he dies alone. The father forsook him. My, oh, my, my God, my God, why hast thou forsook him? But spiritually, he didn't what? He didn't die alone. He died for who? We died with him, didn't he? Didn't we? Look at 6.3. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So we're identified with his what? Death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We also died with him. We also was buried with him. 
we also rose with him, didn't we? Spiritually speaking, if you're in Christ, guess what happens? That's what happens. So understanding the details, come back to chapter 3 on your way back to 1 of Romans. The, the details here are going to of the gospel of Christ because it's going to pertain the, 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 what the cross work accomplished for you and I as members of the body. As we hear the gospel, we believe it, we trust it, we're placed into the body of Christ, all of its ramifications. And then in Romans 6, he's going to say, see, now look, you see that identity? We have a co-death, burial, and resurrection with him. We're identified the same way. You're in chapter 3, right? 116, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of God, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now watch chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God, that's the Father, has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So you've got this information that Paul is going to present. He presents all of it. And it's about that issue of having faith in his blood. It's, all, it's about the issue of the cross. It's about the issue of Calvary. Okay, now we're we got to move on because we've got we understand what the gospel of Christ is in a very generic form. As we go through the book of Romans, we'll get the details and we'll dig down a little bit. Okay, you, you follow that? Follow what we're doing? Now the gospel of the circumcision. We're going to come back to this one. Okay. The gospel of the circumcision, the gospel of the uncircumcision, are not directly talk, uh, mentioned in the book of Romans. Okay, He talks about them in Galatians 2, so go to Galatians 2. Actually, the term, the gospel of the circumcision, does not appear in the book of Romans. But he is going to allude, make an allusion, uh, he's going to allude to some of the details in it. Galatians 2. Here's the terms, verse number 7. Galatians 2 and verse 7. This is Acts 15. This is the meeting between Paul and Barnabas with James and Peter and John. They're in at, at, at Jerusalem. They have a, they have a big meeting. Um, <coughs> and the result of the meetings and so forth are here. Galatians 2 is Paul's perspective. Acts 15 is Luke. Luke wrote Acts. Luke is sitting where you're sitting. He's watching the events. He's recording it. Paul says, hey, we went into a closed-door session, and this is what happened in the closed-door session. Okay? That's why Paul kind of, people always get upset. Man, it doesn't match Acts 15. How do you know? Well, you got two different perspectives going on here. You know? You, you, by the way, look, look at verse 2. I went up by revelation and communicated unto them that the gospel which I preached them. See, he says, I went up by revelation. You go read Acts 15. He goes up there to Jerusalem because a bunch of guys ask him to go. Paul says, you know who told me to go to Jerusalem and do this? God, the Lord Jesus Christ did. 
So you got a little, but what do you have? Perspective. Paul says, here's what was told to me <laughs> directly. Luke says, here's what we saw happen, okay? Verse 7. But contrarywise, the end of verse 6 there in the conference, they added nothing to me. When Paul met with them behind closed doors, they went through. He says, look, guys, I was raised in your religion. Galatians 2, verse 6 and 7. So in that conference, in the closed door meeting, they didn't add anything to Paul. But contrarywise, verse 7. When they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. What'd they do? Verse 9. Again, right hand of fellowship. Paul goes to the heathen. That's the unsaved Gentiles as well as the unsaved Israelites. They've been declared heathen. God declares them heathen in Acts 7 with the stoning of Stephen. He calls them uncircumcised in hearts and ears. He just declared them heathen. Okay? So Peter's going to go specifically to the believing remnant, the little flock, the circumcision. But notice it's the gospel of the circumcision. Not the gospel to the circumcision like all the new Bibles do. Because they say it's the gospel to the uncircumcision, the gospel to the circumcision. And what does it sound like? It's all one message. And in a minute here, we're going to see that, guess what? It isn't the same message at all. Come over. When Paul talks about the gospel, come to Romans 9. Paul doesn't use the, the term, the gospel of the circumcision. That's the one we're going to look at first, okay? Gospel of the circumcision. <coughs> but rather, he's going to make uh, Romans 9. He's going to make some, some references to it. And he's going to make some some. Uh, here's, here's what's happening and going on. In Romans 9, Paul is going to stand and he's going to talk about Israel. And he's going to talk about their, the covenant relationship that they have with, with God. And he's going to go all the way back to Abraham. Now, by the way, in Romans 4, he's taken us all the way back to Abraham. But in the, in the, in the, in the area of what? faith. Here, there's a covenant relationship. Verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. It's fascinating how Paul always has to say that. He'll make mention of that all the time. I'm not lying here, guys. I'm telling you the truth. Now, we know it's the truth because it's in God's word, but the fact that he had to say it, what are the Jewish believers doing to him? The Jewish unbelievers, <laughs> they're persecuting him. They're saying he's a liar. He says, no, I'm telling you the truth, and we're glad that he tells us the truth. What does he say? My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I, would, I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the what? The flesh. Peter, I'm sorry, Paul here. By the way, who better than Paul? Philippians 3 and his credentials to be talking here in Romans 9, 10, and 11 about the, the nation of Israel and historically who they are and what's going on. And what happens is, is notice here, he says, hey, they are, I'm going to talk about my kinsmen according to the flesh. So that brings up 
the issue of the gospel of the circumcision. What is circumcision in Scripture, without getting all the gory details? It's the cutting away of the flesh. Of the what? Flesh. See, we're talking about now a physical issue. We're talking about something that's going to have to do with the flesh. Hold on to here. Look over at 2 Corinthians 5. You guys okay? I know, I know Ohio State lost, but it's okay. They got robbed. I'll be honest with you. They got robbed. You know, we can talk about that in the break. That's okay. LSU will clean Clemson's clock, so it'll be okay. All right? Look at 2 Corinthians 5. You guys got to wake up here. I know it's Sunday morning. I know it was 30 degrees and cold and, you know. It beats one in Flagstaff, doesn't it? <laughs> no? Okay. 2 Corinthians 5. We could turn the heat off and make it feel like. <laughs> Look, if you will, at verse 16. Paul makes this statement here. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the, what? Flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh. In what condition did we know Christ after the flesh? In the condition of his earthly ministry. Romans 15, 8. We'll look at it here in just a minute. Christ was a minister of the circumcision. Yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. How, but yet we do know him, so how do we not know him anymore? According to the what? The flesh. Okay, do you see that? Paul makes that because he's already taught you in Romans 9. Go back to Romans 9 now. This issue about Israel has a covenant, and it has to do with the flesh, physical things, earthly things. Go back to, to Romans 9. Look at verse 4. Who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises? Whose are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the, what, flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever, amen. So the gospel of the covenant, of the, of the covenant, of the circumcision, by the way, it is called the covenant, <laughs> uh, the, the circumcision there, the everlasting covenant, it's talking about circumcision, but the gospel of the circumcision, Paul is alluding to it here. Now come over to Ephesians 2. He doesn't use the term, he just says, hey, there's something going on right there. Look, come over to Ephesians 2. And by the way, that stuff that's going on there in Romans 9 doesn't have anything to do with you and I. It has to do with the people that are in the flesh, in that who are Israelites. Now look at Ephesians 2. <coughs> Excuse me, verse 11. Ephesians 2.11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. Do you think we're talking about stuff that's going on over here in the flesh? The time past condition. The time past condition here, the good news of the circumcision, the gospel of the circumcision, is that in time past, the Gentiles over there are verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
the time past condition back in, under the gospel of the circumcision, the good news of the circumcision is that those Gentile dogs have nothing. They are excluded. They have no claim on the covenant relationship that God has with the nation of Israel. They're excluded. And you know what? That's good news for who? The circumcision for Israel. You follow? You see that? The, the good news of the circumcision, the gospel of the circumcision, is that those guys down there that are Gentiles, and by the way, the dog comes from the lady in the gospels that says the dog's got to eat from the table too. They're in an excluded condition. They are not included in what God's relationship, the covenant that he made with us. So the content the content of the gospel of the circumcision is that everyone else is excluded. That's the content of it, boiled down, simply. What did Paul say? It's the Israelites to whom pertained all of that relationship. It wasn't to the Gentiles. By the way, who excluded who first? Here God's excluding the Gentiles but what did the Gentiles do first? We're going to learn in Romans 1, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. You see, the Gentiles, the nations out there says, we won't have God. We won't have a relationship with him. We're going to do it our way. God said, that's fine. Go ahead and do it your way. And oh, by the way, that nation of Abraham over there, with Abraham, I'm going to make a nation, and you're excluded from it. You can't have that relationship. Now, all through the Old Testament, there are places where... There is, Gentiles do cross and go through the middle wall of partition and become. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about in the big scheme of it, the gospel of the circumcision excludes people who are not a part of that covenant relationship. If you look there at verse 12 in Ephesians 2, you're without. You're without Christ. You're an alien. You're a stranger. You know what a stranger is? Have you ever had somebody knock on your door, you don't know who they are? They're a stranger. <laughs> okay, Jehovah's Witness. Always got a guy in the crowd, you know. They, hey, knock on the door. They, they're in the wrong neighborhood. You know, when he says that, you're strangers from the covenants. It's like, hey, don't come knocking here. You don't belong here. You're in the wrong neighborhood. So the gospel of the circumcision <clears throat> is the wonderful news that God contracted to do something with this specific group of people called the circumcision. And he excluded everyone else. And for Israel, that's a woohoo. For you and I in the time past, <laughs> it wasn't so good. It wasn't a woohoo. <laughs> For the folks on the internet, there are people in the room, okay? It wasn't a woohoo. It was a oh. Woohoo. Now come back to Romans 9. Because the other gospel that's connected to the circumcision in Galatians 2 is the gospel of the uncircumcision. Now, Romans 9, now, today, in the but now, 
Now the Gentiles are included, no longer excluded. That's the good news of the uncircumcision. Now, we're, we're going to look at some things here, okay? <laughs> look at Romans 9, because Paul's going to bring that up. And again, he's not going to say the gospel of the uncircumcision, but he's going to bring in the deep, some, some things about it. Look at Romans 9, and look at verse 20. He says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Now, what Paul's doing here, and he does it throughout Romans 9, 10, and 11, is he is presenting the case that's going to maintain that God is just to set aside Israel and to go to the Gentiles. In Romans 9, 10, and 11, we'll see Israel's past, present, and future. We'll see everything, what's happening to them dispensationally. And when he asks the question there at the beginning of verse 20, <clears throat> Israel, you have no right to object to what God is now doing with the Gentiles. Who are you to reply to God? Repliest against God, verse 20. Shall the thing formed say to him that has formed, formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Israel has no right to demand an explanation. They have no right to argue with God about the change. God, we read that verse in Romans 3. He's just and justified. He's just to do what he's doing. Setting aside, casting away Israel and coming over here and then moving on with this new message, with this new entity. Notice what he does. Why... Hast thou made me thus? You formed me. What, what's going on? Paul says, you guys can't say that. Verse 21. Hath not the potter power over the clay? Uh-oh. We have an Old Testament precedent here. Where God is going to take Israel and reform her and do this. The book of Jeremiah. Okay. When we get here, we'll go through all of this in greater detail. But he says, hey... Israel, you understand what God's doing. You don't have any right to argue or anything because you've got a precedent in your past. Hath not the potter power over the clay, verse 21, of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? In your house, do you have vessels of honor in your house? Yeah, you do. you got a favorite mug. you got a favorite thing you like to do, a, you know, that's dad's chair, don't sit there. At our house, if you move, you lose. <laughs> we don't have a favorite spot, you know. Well, I do, but I don't, you know, but the kids, you know, if, you, if you're in it, you're in it. If you move, you lose, you know, we're done. <laughs> hey, he's out, we're in. <laughs> now they're sitting on the folding chair, you know. You, that's a vessel of honor. You understand that stuff. In your house, you have a vessel of dishonor? You do. Yeah. <laughs> it's called a toilet, the plunger, dishonor. I mean, think about it. That's what he's doing here. He's like, Israel, you have no right to argue. You have a precedent of the potter and the clay. He's done this. Vessel of honor, now vessel of dishonor. 
Isn't that interesting how he does that? The Gentiles were the vessel of dishonor in time past. Now they're what? Well, we're going to see down there that they're vessels of mercy, down in verse 23. Look at verse 22. What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory. Isn't that interesting? There's been a change. Paul's laying out the decree here, the gospel of the uncircumcision, the Gentile. As Gentiles, we were dead. We were excluded. We were without. We had no hope. Now that status has been changed. God doesn't view. Come over to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. God has a different viewpoint on on humanity now. Say it in a broader term. Colossians 2. <clears throat> Colossians 2, look at verse 13. And you, being dead in your sins. So you're dead, you're one, you're dead, where? In your sins. And, number two, the uncircumcision of your flesh. You're dead twice in that right there. Because God's view in time past was you're an uncircumcised in your flesh, you're dead. No, see the in, in the flesh, that reference back to, you're, you're two times dead. You got no hope. But now what? He hath what? Quickened to get you, and he hath quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So he took care of, number one, dead, right? Forgive the sins. And then, verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to where? His cross. Now he took care of dead too, didn't he? Category two. So when you come back over here to Romans 9, what's he doing? He took that vessel of dishonor that was fitted for wrath and destruction. He, and now he made it a vessel of mercy. That's what he did. He took the Gentiles, and he said, now I can use the Gentiles. Now I don't view the Gentiles in an excluded status any longer. I can use them to accomplish my plan and purpose in the heavenly places. I can do something different now. By the way, when he says there, what if God willing to show his wrath? I'm in Romans 9, 22. Come back over to Romans 1 and read verse 18. It's just interesting how these things begin to kind of connect up. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is, what? Revealed from heaven. 9, 22. What if God willing to show? There's been a change. God's wrath was ready to be revealed. Now he's willing to show. There's been a dispensational change. Come over to 2 Corinthians 5. We were just here a minute ago. So when you talk about the gospel of the uncircumcision, 
We're talking about God has changed the program, and now he's able to go over here and use this excluded group of people called the Gentiles, the nations out there, and I'm going to use them now to go do something over here that I couldn't use them before. They were excluded. But now they are usable. They're included. And we're going to be able to use them in the heavenly places. Notice 2 Corinthians 5. Notice verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. There's our faith in the crosswork of Calvary. We're reconciled. Reconciled just simply means to change the status of the relationship. Okay? We were his enemy. We were ungodly. We were sinners. He, he reconciles us. Now we're what? We're co, aren't we? We're co-inheritors. We're co. We're co. Every, what the Lord gets, we get. We're, we have this, we're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh type of thing. Verse 18. But, and hath given us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, <clears throat> not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we're ambassadors for Christ and so forth. Notice that issue there. He was, he's in Christ to take care of you, to reconcile you, but he's also in Christ reconciling the who? The world. He's changed the status of the world, hasn't he? Now, when we get over in Romans 11, we'll see that. We'll study it in great detail. But he's changed the status of the world, not imputing their what? Trespasses. It doesn't say that he's ignoring them. He says what? Not imputing them. He's not holding. When, when, when the Godhead looks at humanity, they don't see a cut off, excluded group of people any longer. What do they see? People that have the potential to become members of the body of Christ. You follow that? That's important because the gospel of the uncircumcision, that's what he's talking about. It has to do with God's view of humanity no longer excluding them, but now they all have the potential to be included. That's why he would say he would have all men be saved. He looks out there at the masses and he says, hey, you have the opportunity through what? The gospel of Christ, through the cross work. Get over there. Get going. See what's going on. I got a job. You know, it's wonderful to have your sins forgiven. But it's even better to understand his plan and purpose in the heavenly places for you. Because that's really what he's going for. Your forgiveness of sins and being saved out of hell is, Dad always said it's a footnote on page 10. The big thing is what's he doing out there in the heavenly places with you? That's what's critical to understand. Okay? All right, Acts 20. Boy, I have to get the joke book out here. <clears throat> Go over to Acts 20. Let's talk about the gospel of the grace of God. Acts chapter 20. <coughs> Coming in this morning, Linda asked, you know, you think we're going to have everybody? And I'm like, man, eh, we'll have who we have, you know. 
But uh, anyway, we're glad you're here. Acts 20. Look at verse 24. Acts 20, 24. Paul writing here, But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. The good news of the grace of God. Paul begins to talk about it. Now, come over to Ephesians, so let's, def- let's get the content of it. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 1. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. If you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages, here's the grace of God, here's the gospel of the grace of God, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, here it is, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Drop down to verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God. The gospel, the good news of God's grace, has to do with this particular purpose that he has with the Gentiles. And how God can come and take the Gentiles and make a new entity out of them. It's called the new man. He calls it the new creature. So it all has to do with God's eternal purpose out there in the heavenly places. And that gets back again to these other ones as we begin to see, hey, there's something bigger going on. And it has to do with that secret purpose pertaining to the heavenly places that was revealed to the Apostle Paul, then revealed to you and I. Okay? So the gospel of the grace of God is the big picture of what God's going to be doing out there in the heavenly places, but as it was revealed to who? To Paul, because it's not, it's been hid in God since before the foundation of the world. So come over to Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 15. You'll see Paul talk here in verse 16 that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the who? To the Gentiles. What, what he says in Romans 11:13, I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Ver, verse 16 here, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Now, you'll see how we have the gospel of God. That's going to refer us back to chapter 1, verse 1. But notice the rest of that verse, 
that the offering up of the who? The Gentiles. There's a reference to the gospel, the grace of God, because now we're no longer in the circumcision camp, we're in the uncircumcision camp. And these guys, that information is that big, the overall, all the information given to me to then come over here and to give to you. Ephesians 3.1. And he allude, makes an allument. Uh, he Say it again. Uh, uh, he alludes to it. There you go. I get there. Okay. He, 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 he's going he's gonna to say, hey, we're going to be talking about some things here in Romans 15. But man, when we get over there, that, that's what we're really dealing with. It's very interesting. Come back to chapter 1. Or, I'm sorry, chapter 11 of Romans. Chapter 11 there, verse 13, he says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office, if by means I might provoke to emulation them which are, are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them, Israel, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead. I told you when we talk about the gospel of God, God has killed off Israel. He set them aside. He cast them away. If you set something aside, you can come over here and grab it again. He didn't do that. He cast them away. He, Paul says, hey, that's gonna, they're going to come back. But right now, what are we teaching? We're teaching the gospel of the uncircumcision because we're teaching the gospel of the grace of God by the way in my searching that's the only place I found that was with Paul in Acts 20 there because we're preaching the gospel of Christ we're not in the circumcision camp any longer and guess where we're not in the kingdom camp either now the gospel of the kingdom is found there in Romans 11 the allurement to it <laughs> a, a what Allude, okay, I give up. Uncle, allude. Uncle, hey, you know, if you've been around me long enough, you know I come up with weird words. Just, okay. Romans 11, verse 26. Uh, I don't know good English, okay? Romans 11, look at verse 26. Paul, well, Romans 11, 26. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. See how Paul in two, two verses, 26 and 27, makes a connection in, brings in something about the kingdom. He doesn't give you any more details about the kingdom. He just says over there in the kingdom, guess what's going to happen? They're going to be taken care of. He's going to finish their program. But what I want you to under, look at very carefully in verse 26 and 27 is the reference is all future tense. None of it is past tense. They shall be saved. This is my covenant when I shall take away their sins. So Paul is saying, hey, 
we're not in this camp over here under the circumcision and the kingdom stuff because all that's yet to come. It's all future. It was back there in the time past, gospel of the circumcision. You can see it. You can study it. It's right there. But everything else is the future. Now look at verse 25. 11.25. Here's the condition right now. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to the Gentiles, I'm sorry, to Israel, <laughs> until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That's the current condition, verse 25. But guess what's coming? The kingdom stuff over there will finish it out. By the way, 26 and 27 also lets you know that the gospel of the kingdom goes off into eternity over there and the, on the, in, with Israel and the nation. It doesn't stop when Christ dies in the gospels. It doesn't stop when they stone Stephen in Acts 7. It's going to continue beyond, past us, the gospel of the kingdom. By the way, the gospel of the kingdom, do you know who first talked about the kingdom gospel, the gospel of the kingdom? There's your homework for next week. Think about that. Who was promised a kingdom? It's been going on since who? Abraham. It's nothing new, folks. It's been spoken. God looked at Abraham and said, this is what I'm going to do. Then he goes over and he thins it down because Israel's a big deal, big big nation. So Paul here makes references. By the way, the reference to the kingdom, there's no, no other details given by Paul. He just says, it's going to come. <laughs> and he lets, in the book of Romans, he stops. Okay? So when you come back to Romans 1, we're going to get into verse 3 next week, I promise. I just wanted this week to look at these gospels because as we begin to start now concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be we begin to move through we're going to hit these gospels and at least you'll have an idea hopefully you'll remember in the back of your head of what they're pertaining to the gospel of the kingdom pertaining to Israel's kingdom set up on the earth going on for eternity the gospel of the circumcision it's the a, it's a good news of Israel that excluded everyone but them. And if you wanted to be in that covenant relationship with God, you had to be in Israel. You had to get in. The gospel of the uncircumcision, that status has been changed now. God doesn't view humanity today in an included or an excluded view. He says all have the potential to be in a part of. What I'm doing, which is forming the church, the body of Christ, to be the entity to take over and to control and to reconcile the heavenly places back under my headship. There's the gospel of the grace of God. And it all starts with an understanding of the gospel of Christ and what he accomplished at Calvary for all of humanity. What did he do? He forgave your sins and he did away with the handwriting of ordinances. He took care of business. And the gospel of God has to do with everything concerning his son all of it specifically in Paul here with the issue of the resurrection because you can't believe in a dead God he has to be risen I said it last week our faith starts at the empty tomb 
and where he was declared to be the Son of God was at the moment of resurrection. Because anyone could have hung and died and been buried. But only God can do what? Up from the grave he arose, as the song says. Okay? Now, we're going to pick up some snail speed here and get down through some verses, okay? But I don't want you to miss, I want you to see what's happening, all right? And I hope you do, okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we just thank you for who we are in your Son, for all that you've given to us, and for all that you will be doing with us and through us in the heavenly places. In your name we pray, amen. Before you